Good morning. It's Ayawimala, and I'm I've, I'm really smiling today because when I sit down, I see that the wild turkey is is out under the tree in front of my apartment, um, and I had just fed the squirrels, and there's some good food that the turkey likes. So the turkey's with us too. She's uh, watching. She keeps an eye on me, but she's just maybe maybe 10 feet out out beyond us. So we have a wild turkey plus all the squirrels and the chipmunks and the birds. That's one of the delights is having all these critters. So I'm so glad to be with you this morning and I'd like to read something today, but first let's start out with my wish. And this is I'll show you, I've shown you this before. This is the picture on the front of the card. And the cards have several different designs. The only ones left in English because we had, there were 7,000 and the majority of them have gone to jails. It's many, many, many months ago, but uh, went out distributed to the jails where detained immigrants are staying and given to them. And they could pick them. That was the one, the, the, blessing cards that the and the reading material from the church groups uh, with the volunteers with the detained immigrants from the interfaith community of detained immigrants um, the one thing they could take back to their room after we had visits with them was to uh, pick up any of the spiritual material on the table so we we've put out lots of books and uh, pamphlets, but then created the blessing cards. And that gives, we, we had a set of them. So there are seven different pictures, but they all have my wish on the back. Now they, now the only ones left in English are at the temple. The little, they're in little organza bags. So I can't, I don't even have my own copies of the English, but now we have French and Spanish. So we'll have those at the temple when I drop drop them by. But my wish is on the back of each one of them because we decided that's such a beautiful message to let people know that they are being thought of and cared about. And also, it's it's the same thing that they want. I've seen over and over that the people that are in detention uh, want so much to help each other and they, they uh, they're aware of they most often become very aware of the spiritual component in their life. It becomes stronger. And some of them came in with, with a very strong faith. And uh, what happens when they're in detention is it widens because they see people of other faiths who also have the same compassion and caring. And um, many of them find faith that they felt like they had lost and it helps them make it through difficult times. And that's what I think my wish speaks to. So let's do that first, and then I'd like to share a reading that I'm excited about. Um, May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a lamp for those without light, a sanctuary for those in danger, 
a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. So keep that every day. It helps us. It's definitely what you want to be thinking of or learning so you can just have those lines in your head. And um, when we work on our intentions, remember every day our resolve can simply, well, it's not simple, but it can be renunciation, which is just letting go of the things we don't need, loving-kindness, which is goodwill, and harmlessness. So that's uh, that can take us through any day, and we'll be pretty safe. And if it's our resolve, we always can come back and check in with that and know we're, we're, we're on the right path. So today I have this wonderful book. It's Pema Chodron's Welcoming the Unwelcome. And my good friend Allison in Las Vegas gave it to me as a gift. And uh, I can't even pick it up without finding passages that I want to share with you. And this is from a chapter... I, I didn't think at first that I would be sharing it with you, but then I thought, wait, this is wonderful. This is really getting to the heart of the matter. And while we're all still concerned about what's going on in the world, you know, we're all, I'm always mentioning, and I know you're always all thinking about um, let we, letting go of the self and thinking more about others and seeing our connection to others and that that's a good way to be dealing with the stresses of the pandemic because it takes it off of poor me, this is happening to me, I don't know how I can handle it, um, which we can all feel overwhelmed with at certain moments in the day. But when we let go of the self, we can think about we are all in this together. And if anything's taught us that, about the world, it's been this pandemic. So when we let go of of me and how it affects me and just my loved ones, uh, we can let go of that, being so tightly connected to that, and then see this is affecting everyone, all of us. It, it's, it helps. It helps us get outside of ourselves. Uh, that may create some other stresses, but I think the I think seeing this is something that everyone's involved in. Everyone can help everyone else, and that's the battle we see now. And it might be changing uh, that the, the this politicizing wearing mask. That's saying you I'm different from you. We're not the same, and uh, and it's creating a, the, all these. Uh, upswings uh, when we let go of that and we just think of we're all in this together we can let go of some of that so uh, I think this this uh, chapter from welcoming the unwelcome is is really 
can really address some of that and what some of the important qualities are in letting go of that sense of self. Um, not, not trying to change ourselves, but I think the way Pema Chodron writes about it in this chapter is just beautiful. So it's only a few pages, and the pages are not very big in the book, so I'm going to start a little bit into the chapter. The Dhamma often speaks of overcoming the ego and even attaining an irreversible state of egolessness. But to many of us, this just sounds like a theory. It almost seems like the teachings are referring to a plane of existence that lies somewhere beyond our human world. But overcoming ego is something that any of us can do. The turkey must want to hear this. She's getting closer and closer. So Pema starts with a with a little message that a, a teacher had sent her, and then when she asked him to follow up on it, um, he just said, oh, it was just a silly message, but then it floated around, it's floated around in her head for a long time. But the message he sent her was, you have divorced your husband, and now you should divorce Pema Chodron. Lifetime after lifetime, I've been born and been given a name, and lifetime after lifetime, I've identified completely with that persona. It dawned on me what a waste that has been, what a waste to keep getting tricked in the same way and to keep missing chance after chance to experience the profound relaxation of being with things just as they are. Like all sentient beings, I have an ongoing moment-by-moment experience. My five senses experience sight, sound, smells, taste, and tactile sensations, and my mind experiences thoughts and emotions. This is not a problem at all. It's what being alive is like, an amazing and wondrous blessing. But the sad part is that I've kept identifying myself as the one who experiences all this. This has turned into the illusion of a continuous, fixed, separate entity, which for the last few decades I've thought of as Pemachodron, with this feeling of a solid, unchanging experiencer, I've become stuck yet again. I've found myself in this situation where it's Pemachodron against her experience, or Pemachodron for her experience, or Pemachodron indifferent to her experience. And from these three basic reactions, all kinds of intense emotions, harmful actions, and painful results arise. As I continued with the contemplation, I asked myself what I could do differently this time around. How can I divorce this Pema Chodron? Is it even possible to do so? What would it look like to go on living and experiencing and functioning but without identifying with any fixed persona? Or, to use more Buddhist terminology, what would it look like to live without ego? The Dhamma often speaks of overcoming the ego and even attaining an irreversible state of egolessness, but to many of us this just sounds like a theory. 
It almost seems like the teachings are referring to a plane of existence that lies somewhere beyond our human world. But overcoming ego is something that any of us can do. The reason why it's possible to live without ego is because ego is a false identity. Pema Chodron happens to be my name, but it's not who I am. I have many other labels. Teacher, nun, American, old lady, and so on. But none of these are who I am. There is no way to sum up a person in a name or a few words or even a few volume of words. Our names and labels serve the practical purpose of helping us to conceptualize and communicate, but they are not who we are. The way to go beyond ego is to stop believing in these empty identities. Even enlightened people still have a sense of being. They have a sense of inhabiting a body, a particular body that's old or young, male or female, tall or short, dark or light, but what they don't have is a sense of belonging to or identifying with their body or their persona. They can do things without identifying with a doer. They can have experiences without a fixed experiencer. They can have thoughts without a thinker. This way of being may sound foreign, but you can experiment with it and get a sense of what it's like. For instance, when you eat, contemplate what it means to eat without an eater. Contemplate what it would mean to eat without an eater. Sorry. When you move, explore moving without a mover. When you see or hear, ask yourself what it would be like to do without a seer or hearer. When you meditate, look into doing it without a meditator. Whatever you do, try to have a sense of phenomena just unfolding without the presence of a person reacting to or trying to control the experience. This is along the lines of Tagme Zangpo's advice not to entertain subject-object fixations. Whatever you do, see if you can experience it directly without any separation between who you are and what you are doing. There's no guarantee about what you'll discover through this experiment, but you might find yourself connecting to a free, non-conceptual experience of just eating, just walking, or whatever it is, without this feeling of me, the eater, the walker. When this happens, we are getting the flavor of what it's like to live without ego. The difference between living with and without ego is like the difference between static and fluid, because ego's tendency is to resist the open-ended, empty nature of how things are. When our experience is dominated by ego, Our perceptions become frozen and lose their vibrancy. When I was young, I had a very interesting dream, which has remained vivid in my memory to this day. I was in a fluid state without any sense of opposition. No me against you, or me against anything. This was just a wide-open feeling that felt dynamic and alive. The word that kept coming to my mind was process. I recognized how everything was in process. 
moving, growing, living. I had a deep sense of what it was to be me and what it was to be an interchange with everything my senses perceived. And I had the thoughts, nothing is like it seems to be. I recognized how the thick, solid way I usually perceive things was just an illusion. When I woke up, it was so shocking. I opened my eyes and suddenly there I was, back in this frozen world. My sense perceptions were back to seeing everything in a fixed way. It felt like everything was made of plastic, like that plastic sushi they display outside some Japanese restaurants. I remember finding this very depressing. I'd had an experience of something that felt like the truth, but there was no way for me to get back there. Years later, when I started hearing Buddha's teachings on emptiness and egolessness, I used that dream as a reference point. It resonated with the words that Trungpa Rinpoche and other teachers used. Dynamic, fluid, in process, alive. But these teachers not only gave me a sense of what the experience of egoness felt like, they pointed the way to how I could gradually cultivate freedom from ego. Now this next part's very important. If ego is such a big problem, it would seem that the most natural solution is to get rid of it. It isn't like when you have someone in your office or community or family who's a huge pain in the neck. You want to get rid of that person, or at least you wish you somehow never had to see them or deal with them again. That's a normal response to difficulty. And with all the teachings about how the ego is the biggest troublemaker in our lives, the biggest pain in the neck, why would we not just try to get rid of it? However, the idea that we need to get rid of ego is a misunderstanding. One that many people, even experienced Buddhist practitioners, share. The notion that we need to get rid of something within ourselves is a setup for intensifying our inner struggle. It can only inflame our tendency to be unfriendly to ourselves. What the Buddha taught instead is the method of non-rejection. Instead of getting rid of ego, the idea is to become very conscious of ego and how it works. Only by getting to know ego intimately will it lose its power to keep us spinning in samsara. Ego manifests in all the countless ways we resist what it is. It is there and all are pushing away what we don't want and pulling in what we do want. It shows its face in all our solid views, opinions, and fixed ideas. It is present in the ways we identify ourselves, such as weak, strong, broken, wise, competent, unworthy, and so on. The heart of the practice is to notice all of this and rest in the middle of it all, not trying to fix or alter anything. Whatever arises, we can practice just being there with as much ease, curiosity, and openness as possible. We can work on noticing and experiencing all this activity of our minds, doing nothing with it beyond simply noticing. Our journey toward living without ego is to learn how to let go, Relax, take a chance, 
wait and see, and never sum ourselves up. This is our path, which we can keep working on every day to the best of our current ability. This is what I've set out to do for myself in my effort to divorce Pema Chodron. It's a friendly divorce and one that I know will take a while, but for sure I don't want to waste another precious lifetime taking this current, very fleeting, very fragile persona so seriously. I think that's a wonderful chapter. It just hits on so many things, letting go of that solid sense of who we are, because it's a waste of our time. The, the more we cling, and we know that we never reach uh, the end of samsara until we let go of everything, everything. Any kind of ident- identity we cling to, any kind of attachment we have to anything, any conditioned thing. And so we're always working with that letting go. That's renunciation, just letting go. And it's this chapter also talks about the way we do it. We watch ourselves. We watch when we've become too identified with whatever this persona is. We have to remind, we have to watch it and observe it and just keep reminding myself, this is not who I am. This is not me. This is not mine. And just gradually just let it fall away. Just observe it. Keep watching it. We, we aren't saying there's anything wrong with it. It is the human condition. But, but in, in, our, in our search for happiness in this world, the most true happiness comes from letting go. Letting go of those and she describes the egolessness so beautifully, doesn't she? That it's fluid, it's process. And we can watch everything we do and think, oh, we don't we don't have to do it with this, you know, this me, me, me thing. We might discover new things that we can enjoy, new things that we like to eat, new ways to be, uh, just by letting go of some of that. Uh, identity, hanging on to it. And don't, I think her advice, even with working with our egos, uh, the idea that we don't need to, the idea that we need to get rid of ego is a misunderstanding. And and it's a, it's a setup for intensifying our inner struggle. And that goes for everything. If we keep thinking we've got to get rid of a, characteristic or get rid of something about ourselves, we're setting ourselves up to not love ourselves and not to have goodwill towards ourselves. That sets us back. That doesn't, that doesn't give us the, uh, the joy and the happiness that we can have if we just begin to uh, keep watching ourselves, observing ourselves. This is a wonderful time to do that because we have so many some of us are, some of, I don't think I feel boredom, but there are those days where I, I don't, uh, I'm not excited about what I've set up as my, uh, what I want to accomplish that day. So I can be, uh, it can create frustration. There may be something I think I need to get done and I don't want to do it. 
but we can we're we have a lot of time with ourselves these days because a lot of our normal activities have been curtailed or if we're trying to really uh stay in which a lot of us are doing all over the country uh we may feel like we have too much time on our hands but we can use that time to watch ourselves to just observe ourselves and observe just be just be always thinking we're all students of watching this world and how we interact with the world so it it can be a beautiful thing to do it's like someone who you know so many like watching birds has become such a treat for me and and watching the critters so we can watch ourselves the same way watch how we interact with everything so let's just take a few minutes we have a few minutes left and i hope that was uh that's it i just i just love this book i'm i recommend it for everyone and it would also be a good book discussion so uh everything we find ever i feel like everything i pick up these days i find something in it for me to uh take to heart and to and to work with so that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thing that's happening to a lot of us and it can be our experience in so much of this difficult time uh this this world is full of so much for us to learn and when we're too busy to stop and see it and spend a little time with it we we miss out on that so we have about 4 minutes uh someone just asked what the book is called this is pema children's book and i know you're seeing it backwards but it's called welcoming the unwelcome now this book came out i think about a year ago but could there be a more perfect title right welcoming the unwelcome So it is a perfect book for right now, and uh, I recommend it. And thank you, Allison, over and over again. I had been seeing it; it had just come out, and I kept thinking, "Oh, I'd love to get that book, but I'm going to wait till it's out in a paperback or a Kindle." Or, you know, I I uh, was trying to be good about not. not buying another book not spending the money and i got it as a gift from her so i think she can read my mind sometimes even though she's out in las vegas i think she has some telepathic abilities for, with me um so it's a great book welcoming the unwelcome the unwelcome and pema chodron as most of you know is a uh that was really one of the first american buddhist nuns but she's in the the uh Tibetan tradition and she has a uh, Gampo Abbey which is in Nova Scotia it's one of the places i've always wanted to travel to just to stay in that stay in that uh in her what we would call a vihara or a monastery so we have just a few minutes but let's sit together and then if you can continue um even when i finish i'll finish by reading my wish again i have to read it because i keep getting a line a couple of lines i think i'm nervous about forgetting two lines so of course that's always where i do them backwards um 
Just close your eyes. And you can use this short time together or your meditation can be working with your breath, getting your breath, helping it calm your body. Just focusing on the breath. And we can also use meditation time to let thoughts, those say, I've just read this passage from the book. We can sit with this. We can sit with the passage from the book and just let it be in you for a while. There might be words or expressions or sentences that you want to remember. That you were drawn to. You might want to let the concept just kind of sink in a little bit. Remembering, this is not what I am, this is not mine, this is not me. And just see if you can feel more fluidity, more process. More spaciousness. And then just let it happen by observing yourself. Keep sitting if you have the time and you can. I'm going to leave now, but I want to end with my wish again. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost the way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, 
a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant for those in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being such a beautiful part of my practice. And have a wonderful day. Feel as light as a cloud. See you today's Tuesday. I'll see you Thursday. Bye-bye.